So Chris, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And the connection is that we just happened to run into each other during an ACA conference, uh, American Camping Association conference. For me personally, and it's a little bit of origin on me, I am a big fan of role-playing games. Um, a self-proclaimed nerd. When I was 10 years old at that time, I'd read the entire trilogy of Lord of the Rings. And I had the whole trilogy in a single bound leather book that my dad had given me. But I used to carry it around to school with me, even after I'd read it. I don't know of what reason other than a target on my back, quite literally. <laughs> Chris, if you could, like, what what is the intention of the story school? And maybe as well, what do we mean when we say LARPing? So, one, what is the story school and what is LARPing? The story school is a home for the neurodiverse, the LGBTQ, anybody who loves to role play, anybody who loves stories. It is a vehicle to teach through stories. And we have found the best stories are the most immersive ones. And that's why we use LARP, which is live action role play. You can't get more immersive than that, where you're asking everyone who's showing up to be in character during the course of the game. Um, with they're dressed in costume as the good guys, we're dressed as costume as the bad guys. And there's an ongoing story that reacts to the player choices, which in our case are the campers, are these kids who come into our programs who know they are better than society can tell them sometimes. They are they are more than just students at school. They are more than just sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. They have this world and this life inside of themselves. And Oftentimes, our society doesn't let people live their truths and, and be who they really are. And live action role play is a way to create that, that avatar, create that safe space where you can become anyone you want to be, which in most cases is this wonderful hero that you've had inside of you all along. So we at the story school strongly believe that there is power in stories. You know, we as human race tell stories. We've told stories as, as long as we've been able to write, draw, like caveman on the walls. We're passing down, don't go out and see that creature, come back in, all the way down to these, you know, epic novels. Like you're talking about with Lord of the Rings, these stories that just speak to our human soul of wanting adventure and wanting more than just what we see. So we believe there's a lot of power inside those stories and you unlock that power most fully through live action role play, through that immersion, through that interactivity. That's where we sit at that kind of intersection of, of summer camp, of live action role play. And because I am an educator myself, an educational system baked into our stories so that kids don't just learn how to play this game, how to level themselves up. What we do is we bake in STEM and STEAM education into everything they do, but hide it under that layer of story so that everybody is still engaged and still wants to be there. And no matter what we're challenging them to teach, whether it's an eight-year-old trying to learn calculus for the first time, because that's the, the STEM lesson that day, it doesn't seem impossible for them because it's told through the story and they themselves are role-playing somebody who is capable of anything. And so, of course, they can solve this equation. At this stage in the recording, Phil takes his he his headphones off, runs to his car, finds out where the story is located and signs <laughs> up to be a participant. 
we know we're we're on the same page. But anyone else out there listening who might be you know considering the the value of experiential learning or recreational education, please, there's there's so much more that kids get out of education when they have autonomy. But that's that's a little bit on a, on a side road there. As far as as watching transformations, I mean, every year I could give you five or six kids that I see absolutely transform. But one of my favorites is tracking a hero that I met when they were eight years old, who is coming back this year as a second year CIT and uh, potentially coming on as a staff member. And when I first met them, you know, shy little eight year old trying to to find out where they fit in. They had an older brother who was inside the program. So they kind of glomped onto them. And the first time we, you know, fully stepped into a campfire in costume. And I addressed myself as, you know, the hero leader to these groups of heroes. And they could ask me any question they wanted to find out more about our world. That little hand came up and asked what it meant to be a hero. And instead of taking that moment and, you know, I can monologue as a villain and a hero is the best of them. I could go on for for days, as you'll probably find out in this podcast. But instead of taking that moment, I turned it back on them and said, well, what do you think being a hero means? And this kid who's probably never had any public seeking uh, experience whatsoever and has always kind of let older brother do most of the talking, started to kind of find their voice. And they talked about how being a hero is about compassion and being a hero is about doing the right thing. And by the end of the speech, they were fired up and were on their feet and they were talking and everybody was applauding them. And that moment when they looked around and saw that other people not only saw them as you know someone who has a voice who's worthy of being listened to, but were like applauding them. We're looking at them as though there was more to them than what they were seeing. Watching that path of that kid from that moment all the way to now helping us play the monsters in the background and getting like, you know, be the shortest monster on the field, but the fiercest monster. You would never imagine that kid started off at that place where, you know, at drop off, they maybe didn't even want to stay with us because it was such a new experience for them. And to watch that transformation, to see that confidence build up inside of the kids. I mean, that's that's why everybody does summer camp. That's the, the power of summer camp in general is to give you a place where you can expand yourself beyond what school knows, what family knows, what your friends know. You are more than all that. But getting to put on that extra layer of an avatar where, you know, oh, I put on this mask of a hero and if you're, I'm as strong as Batman and as clever as they, they just live inside of this world where they can be anything. And as long as you are practical about checking in with them and making sure they know that's still them, that's not just the character they're playing, that's them playing that character so that when they take that mask away and they stop role-playing, they can take that with them somewhere else. And you know, this, this one kid in particular, this young person now, not even a kid, I have had the pleasure of interviewing and getting to talk to some of their references as they're looking into going to college now. And they just speak to this amazing human being who's confident, who loves to joke, who loves to you know be a leader among their peers. And it's that character that they played coming to fruition. And so it's, I, I mean, like I said, I, I could tell you a story every 
every camp about that that kid who starts off shy and goes to amazing places. Uh, we also, you know, you have those transformations of a kid who thinks they know everything. Uh, we, you know, we have an older team come into the program every year who just thinks like they're going to own it. You know, I, you know, massively built, I'm the hero inside my own head. I have all the confidence in the world. And the very first time they go into an encounter and this little, like uh, a 16 year old five foot girl jumps out in a costume and they scramble up the walls to get away. You're like, nope, see, we're on even footing. Uh, <laughs> we all have to start at that point of learning. I love our heroes. I, you know, I don't even call them campers. Um, they, they are heroes. They are amazing humans. As a kid, my mom used to tell me I was going to be a, a preacher or a teacher because I love to talk and I love to entertain and I just love to to make people laugh and and to to give some relief to everything that was going on in, in the world because everybody's stressed. Everybody's always experiencing something, and I wanted to help alleviate that. So. My, my own background in, in college and in high school, I was really big into theater and screenplay writing and creative writing, loved telling stories, and making stories up, um, would entertain my younger siblings by telling them a story every night. And it was always a new story just based on whatever I could think of at the time. And so as I went through college and started thinking, you know, what am I going to do with all this? Because it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, but, you know, the chances of making as an actor, are, you know, like hitting the lottery sometimes. I started focusing on stage combat and physical storytelling because I loved using my body and, and jumping around and and being the the fool of the jokester on stage and learning how to pratfall. And through that process, I found as I moved up to Boston to try and pursue acting and, and some stage uh, theater, I found what was at the time Guard Up and Guardian Adventures which was a recreational education facility, basically letting kids play with foam swords. And so my stage combat background, the storytelling background synced up really well with that. I was like, I can use foam swords and play with kids. Sure, I'll get paid for that. And that first year was the first year that Guard Up started an overnight summer camp LARP um, program. We had 20 kids, two weeks, and it was such a transformative experience for me getting to watch the kids, these these young guys come in and become heroes, getting to, you know, spend every ounce of my energy in a uh, like four layer costume with a skeleton mask on, channeling my inner 80s uh, villain Skeletor, uh, Inspector Gadget's mad, uh, any anybody that I could pull on that I knew, like, you know, entertained me as a kid and getting to just get my but handed to me by these kids was so much fun. And from that that first year, our first overnight year in 2008, the program has grown and evolved. We learned how to better capture education through our stories. We learned how to better embrace different cultures and represent them through the stories. We fast forward a few years, we got to 2013, and that was when the story school first took off. We incorporated a nonprofit uh, branch of our program so that we could do scholarships and fundraising and get some grants to help us with some educational advancements for what we were doing and help add some legitimacy to what we were doing because a, a for-profit, you know, foam sword fighting school for kids was not getting the same recognition it deserved as a nonprofit educational program. And so we really wanted people to see and recognize 
the power of what we were doing. And so that's how the story school started in 2013. We then operated that overnight summer camp program, which also spawned a day camp program, which also spawned uh, winter break adventures and all these things. We were building to this crescendo up until the pandemic where all the funds we had been saving to own our own facility, to really kind of convert ourselves to kind of almost like the Disney world of summer camps and really invest in in a lot of the the technology props and costuming that we wanted. And we had to use every ounce of that just to survive the pandemic. And by December of 2020, my boss and, and mentor, Megan Gardner, who's a founder of Garden Guardian Ventures, wanted to take a step away it was just going to be too hard to run all these programs during a pandemic. It was hard enough to run any kids program during a pandemic, let alone a live action program that we couldn't even get in person for. So I offered to step in and take over the summer camp program and let her take over the the consulting and marketing of, of what we had done as Guard Up and Guardian Adventures. So I stepped in as president of the board and executive director of the Story School in December of 2020 probably the worst time to try and run a live action children's event in, in history and just try to surround myself with good people, good staff, good teams to keep it going. And that was, that was our mantra and our motto for 2021 and 2022 is we wanted to make sure this place still existed, no matter what was happening outside of us, this place still existed for these kids. And it was this past summer in 2023, we finally grew our numbers back that we finally had an amazing staff team after years of helping train these people and, and teach them how to teach these kids to be heroes. Last summer, we caught up before the, the recording started, just the most amazing one on record that I have had. That counts, you know, starting back in 2008, because it was the rediscovery from the kids and from us of what we do and why we are doing it. And just so reinvigorating to have gone through everything I've gone through since 2008, the pandemic and everything else, and to remember and refine that purpose and that calling. Have you seen a change from your experience in the LARPing industry, a greater acceptance is maybe that contributing to the success of the last year? Is there a greater awareness of the benefits? I agree with you. I think, you know, growing up in the 80s, there was almost a power there because we were doing it in spite of everybody else. You had the kind of like all the, the religious reactions to this, uh, this game of playing in a dark dungeon and playing with demons and devils that was anything but that. If anyone ever sat in on like these nerdy kids sitting around table playing math, basically uh, random math tables, um, it wasn't anything but that. But no, it is. Uh, it, it's been a, a renaissance of these wonderful nerddoms, the expansion and accessibility now of cosplay where um, you see it ubiquitously on on TikTok, on YouTube, um, of all these people who are making costumes, you know, on the top end of things and on the bottom end of things. Like anybody can make a costume and and come out to all these fantastic cons and conferences 
Um, and then the the renaissance of, of Dungeons and Dragons and all these other tabletop role-playing games has helped feed into live action roleplay. And you don't have to explain what a renaissance fair is to anyone any, anymore. Everybody knows you, you've been or you've had someone who's gone or you've seen a TikTok of, of that. Um, you don't have to explain what Dungeons and Dragons, what a tabletop role-playing game is to anyone anymore. It's it's in our our cultural zeitgeist now. It's it's embedded itself. And it's always been there. It's just not everybody was talking about it, especially not the people that were, I don't even know what you would call them, the the pulse uh, holders of what's popular these days. But nerds have always been around and nerds love to share. There's you know, always some awful gatekeeping that happens in some communities. But I think having grown out of the 80s and having to try to fight to make people aware of what we were doing and how fun it was and how rewarding it was. Of course, we're never going to turn anybody away who wants to come sit at the table with us. You know, you're you're a forever DM and you're always recruiting players. So you, the more people at your table, the more likely you could actually run your game. And, you know, the most fabulous thing is I think in the last five years, even I've stopped having to explain and spell out what LARP stands for. You go back to 2008 when I, I first started and I even had a hard time remembering and explaining what, what LARP was to, to everyone. And sometimes it was, you know, a weird word for parents to wrap their heads around. Like, so what does that actually mean? What is my kid? They're dressing up and fighting each other in the woods. That sounds violent. That sounds not educational in any way, shape or form. It's been really helpful to be able to see it so often in the world. And, it's, you know, getting into the school system, almost every school now has a after school program that runs D&D or some tabletop role playing game because it is a community builder because it is a confidence builder and because it is a connection point i have joked around before with a parent uh, mistakenly trying to to talk about our neurodiverse community and called it the nerdo diverse community uh, which is absolutely appropriate the overlap between the autistic the neurodiverse and holistic community in that wonderful nerddom of role play is is just right there and you you even see it with the lbgtq community where all of those wonderful humans who have had to in some way shape or form fight for their identity to have a system that exists where putting on a new identity or finding your identity is play and is part of the community huge and it's so easy to then take these kids and be like great remember how you were playing a dragon last week well your friend is now uh she her oh that's you've got that i don't have to explain great awesome and it's it's just amazing to watch this change in our culture and i know it's not everywhere yet there's some holdouts there's always going to be some places that are, are more resistant to that change but 100%, it has been so much easier to talk about the benefits and the the whys of role-playing games and live-action role-play. How would you, to the audience who are listening to this, who may not be aware of the benefits of loving, and we've talked about it in some of the stories, how do you legitimize what you do at the story school and tie it in to when they leave, this is what the outcome is going to be for the participants? What What would you say to that? I would say that the best learning happens when the learner feels like they have autonomy, when they feel like they have progress, and when they feel like they belong or they're part of that that learning system. And I think it's really hard for anyone to argue against those. You know, you are much more apt to learn from a class that you chose to go to, having that autonomy, 
you are much more likely to hold on to information and feel like you are doing a good job when there's a progress report telling you how you are doing and where you are succeeding, where you're having trouble. And a million percent, you are going to learn better and feel safer in any environment that you feel like you are welcome into. And so when you take those autonomy, progress, and belonging, you look at them through that lens of live action role play and they are ubiquitous. They are everywhere. There is the autonomy of the story, the agency the player has to change and make choices and see how those reflect inside what they're doing. And then you have that immediate feedback loop. I'm going to choose to fight the dragon. The dragon has destroyed me. Well, I got feedback of I probably should not have made that choice. So my progress is a little more stunted next time. You know what? I'm going to go in with my buddy and we're going to try using an ice spell because we remember that being very powerful against the dragon and the dragon is defeated. You get a scale from the dragon that enhances your abilities. You're like, great. I'm making progress. I'm moving forward. And then the belonging aspect, which is vital to education and there are studies out there. There are so many times that students just don't feel welcome or feel like they are part of of where they are. It's it's so hard to find a way to help the public education system with that because they have so many kids they're trying to educate. But in the world of LARP, everybody's there because they want to be. There's never going to be a kid who shows up at a LARP program because their parents are dragging them along like, no, you can't go to soccer camp, Johnny. You have to go to LARP camp this summer. Every kid is the one dragging their parent to come to these these camps, these programs. And so they want to be there. Everybody wants to be there and everybody wants to have someone fighting beside them, a battle buddy, a companion, a fellow Avenger, a fellow adventurer, so that they can tell a story with them and have the help when they need it. So that intersection of autonomy and agency in that story, in, in the system that is built around you, having the progress, the immediate feedback of what worked against this fill and what worked against this puzzle, what didn't, um, how did I do better this time, why am I leveling up? And having that belonging, having a place you feel safe, having a place you feel like wants you to be there and that you are contributing to. And live action role play is all of those. And even if you, you don't do what we do and put in STEAM and STEM education behind everything, that experiential learning is there no matter what. You can try to fight it. You can try to be like, no, it's just play. We're, we're not trying to teach anybody anything. Every kid who LARPs is going to come away feeling more confident, feeling like they know what risk-taking looks like and what that feedback loop for that is and how to do that and apply that in the world outside of whatever fantasy universe they're inside of. And just that immediate social education that comes with having to fight beside somebody, have a tell story with somebody. You talk about experiential learning um, and how that applies to LARP. And the other thing that applies is this asynchronous learning style where your whole group can move forward in the story in spite of any trouble you have. So maybe you're not the best puzzle solver. You don't really quite understand the math puzzle that's in front of you. You have friends there who are so excited to be solving this puzzle, they're going to teach you and help you get to the next step. And when we get to the dragon and you are the physical prowess fighter and they're having trouble with that, you're going to help them and bring them up with you. And so there's this almost slingshot effect of all these kids helping the weakest link inside any single encounter 
slingshot forward and that kid flies forward and they bring everybody else with them and you have this contagious desire to want to to learn to want to advance to want to be inside that program and it's hard to get that anywhere else you, you video games i think are another system that give you that immediate feedback loop and rewards you to that point you want to keep going and you know and anybody who ever says anything about uh, video games at the very least kids are learning persistence and grit there is nothing that will teach you how to persist more than a dark souls like game uh, as it just punishes you over and over again but you want to keep going you want it you're motivated and i think that's that's really important and one of the things that is often missing in in some educational systems is what is the motivation above and beyond a teacher saying we need you to go to the next lesson um and you get that with larp you get that with video games you get that I'm willing to keep going. And that is such an important life skill. A large part of what I'm hearing in your discussion is this autonomy is centered around an ever-changing landscape, which surely is hugely advantageous as an educator in a learning process to have to deal with that. What do you see from the benefits to the educator and maybe to yourself over the years that you've been like, wow, if I look at myself 10 years ago, what an improvement I've made because of this? I would say that that flexibility and adaptability is the biggest benefit that educators get. Every educator I've ever talked to or that I've worked with in our programs or just gotten to talk about our programs with, they know, they get it. They love the idea of student autonomy and education, and they wish they could do more of that inside their classroom. But then you put them in front of what true autonomy looks like, and it can get like deer in the headlights look where you're like, okay, what's the plot for today? Well, the plot for today is basically whatever they did yesterday, we now react to and and, and we do that. They're like, but don't you have it written? It's like, well, we have some characters written down. We know like an encounter we want to have happen, but you know, we're gonna let the story evolve. They're like, but what do I do? Like, okay, well, you know your character, you know you're a goblin, you know you love shiny things, you know that you hate heroes. That's really all you need. Go out there, get in front of them, see what they do and how they react to you. Uh, that's that's like on the the smaller kind of story side. On the education side, there's this immediate kind of fear of okay, well, how do I teach them? Like we we know that we wanted to teach them about dam building inside one of our adventures in the past few years, but you don't want to lead the kids there. You don't want to railroad the story, get them there. So how do you make that happen? You're like okay, well you you capture their interest where they are. So we introduced the Lady of the Lake, you know, this the wonderful mythic figure from uh, Arthurian legends, but she can't make it to the kids because there's not enough water for her to cross over. She needs water deep enough that she can live inside of and do all the magic that she needs to do. Well, how do you make more water appear? You don't give them the idea. The kids go, well, you'd have to build up like, you'd have to make a dam. You're like, how would we do that? Like, well... This is how you, and like, as they start getting excited, you look at what they know and what they don't know, and you offer to step in and teach them what they want to know. And so instead of approaching it from the, all right, guys, we're going to build a dam today to summon the lady of the lake. Here's how you build a dam. Here's what this looks like. You've got a group of, you know, eight to 17 year olds. That group is going to have a massive spectrum of knowledge on that subject matter. So instead of trying to teach one lesson, you talk to that group, find out what they know, let the kids who know more help teach the kids who know less, 
and then help them fill in those gaps and offer it to them. Would would you like to physically build a dam to see what that looks like? Would that be helpful? Great. All right. Well, the Cyclops brothers over there, they have all the rocks we need. Let's go talk to them. And suddenly this lesson plan, which you've had in your back pocket all summer, is able to come to fruition and in a way that the kids feel like they're teaching themselves. And that's that's the goal. That's what you want to be as an educator, where you are off to the side and letting them learn. You step in, and this is I'll tell you, this is the hardest lesson I've had to learn as a parent. Instead of stepping in, let me show you how to do that. The first thing you step in and say, what do you need? How can I help you? It's not a like, let me show you the way that I've always done it. Let me show you the way that everybody's always, always learned it. You you step in and ask them what they want, and they will tell you, and they will get more out of that experience, learn more. It will bed inside of them. They will trust you more as a, a person to turn to for information because you let them stumble, because you let them find themselves inside that moment. And so every deer in the headlight moment, every like, I, I got to kind of prepare for a little bit of everything because I never know what's going to come out is always worth it because when they buy in and when they dig in and they want to do that, it's so much fun to sit there and work with them and learn with them. And it's really cool to be in a place where you come in with an idea of how you're going to teach. And one of the kids there turns to you and goes, oh, actually, I'm a master at this. And they sit there and they teach you and you just you learn alongside all the rest of the heroes. So um, that's what I think educators and, and I myself, the educator, get out of this program more than anything else is learning the best ways to educate and teach someone are, you know, we keep using this phrase experiential learning and there's a very like specific set of things you could break that down and make that like actually like systematic. And then you kind of lose some of the experiential education of it because you're trying to make it systematic. And so you, you leave room to flex, you leave room to adapt so that these kids can surprise you and you can surprise yourself because they're in some cases, no more powerful tool as an educator than the phrase, I don't know yet. And to be able to to learn inside those moments with the kids. We talk about with education systems, sometimes you you want to know everything. You want to be the the trusted person on the mountaintop that everyone comes to and you pass knowledge down. But you don't want that. And kids don't want that. They want to learn beside you, not to be lectured at. There's a phrase that someone once said to me that sticks with me that lines with what you just said. Instead of being the sage on the stage, you should be the guide on the side. Thank you, Chris. This this has been a real pleasure. And I want to just thank you for the work that you're doing with the with the participants you're working with. I think that the kids are very, very fortunate to have you uh, behind them and beside them in this journey uh, of growth. I'm going to once again put the links to everything the Story School does in the description. I'll put Chris's email as well if you want to reach out to Chris personally and ask him any questions. Just for a very small conversation of like, oh, that's cool at a conference. We've had this cool conversation and I am very grateful that you were willing to take the time to share it with our listeners. And uh, thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to to talk about this wonderful world of, of live action role play and experiential learning. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>